because of the specific thing that they were obedient to do. That is Naomi and that is Ruth, correct? And then Boaz, right? But who else's name is famous? Who else's name? Jesus. He is the famous one. He's in the lineage. We've been in the in the book of Ruth, and we are on chapter 4. And in verse 14, the, the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who left you this day without a close relative. And may his name be famous in Israel. May his name be famous. The name of Boaz, may it be famous. His, we remember this man because it was even prophesied, may his name be famous, but not just his name. His is not the only name that's being prophesied to be famous. Uh, who else is, you know, we remember who came forth from Ruth and Boaz, uh, Obed, servant of the Most High God. We remember these names because of the specific thing that they were obedient to do. That is Naomi, and that is Ruth, correct? And then Boaz, right? But who else's name is famous? Who else's name? Jesus. He is the famous one. He's in the lineage. Come on, we, had, we have here, we have Obed, right? And then we have Jesse, and then we have David, and then eventually we have in the lineage Jesus, of whose name is the most famous. We glorify that name. His is the name that also was prophesied. That name was prophesied, that his life was prophesied, and his life came about. Amen? And so this is a beautiful, powerful story that shows the plan of redemption from a kinsman redeemer to purchase back the property and the life of a widow that was left without child so that the family's name can continue. So that the family's name can continue. A kinsman redeemer signifies a legal function of a near relative. I've told you this before. If a widow was childless under the law, a close male relative could redeem that individual through marriage, and buy back the property, right? So in the Old Testament, this Old Testament law of being a kinsman redeemer and purchasing the land and fulfilling the marital vow to procreate was actually mentioned in the, in the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew 22, and in verse 23. The Sadducees came to Jesus and questioned him. And they said, Teacher, Moses said, If a man dies having no children, his brother, as next of kin, shall marry his wife and raise up children for his brother. Now there were seven brothers with us. And the first married and died, having no children left having no children, left his wife to his brother. And so the second, and so the third, all the way down to the seventh, all the men died. And then it says, lastly, 
the woman died too. The point here is showing that law that when this widow was left without a husband, the kinsman redeemer, the closest nearest relative in the family, right, would buy, would purchase, would, would purchase any property and also her and make her his wife. And so here we see that this Old Testament law was was mentioned in the New Testament, right? This redemption, this kinsman redeemer. But you know, Jesus actually fulfilled the law. The word right. says he did not come to abolish the law, but he came to actually fulfill it. And so Jesus fulfilled it. We don't continue with that practice, thank God. He fulfilled that role. So Boaz, the key figure in this story of Ruth, because he acted as this kinsman redeemer, protecting Elimelech's family inheritance by marrying Ruth. Let's go back to, um, to Ruth and in chapter 4. So legally, there was somebody closer and to purchase the property and, and Ruth, you know. But this person didn't want it, wasn't interested. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. But I believe that Boaz also had some wisdom in how he presented it to this other person. <laughs> Boaz went and he did what he needed to do right? And, and the man was not interested. He did not want to claim his rights. And so in the presence of 10 people, 10 witnesses, the agreement was made and the shoe was given. Amen. What is so significant about a shoe? You might be asking, what is so significant about a shoe? The sandal symbolized the man's property rights. This sandal, his shoe, symbolized property rights. So to give up a sandal meant that he would no longer walk on that property and no longer would he claim it as his own. In other words, he had transferred his rights to another. When he gave him, in the company of 10 people, 10 witnesses, when he gave him that sandal, he's saying, I'm giving up my rights. I no longer will walk on that land and claim it as my own. You can have it. And so when you read, because you read and you go, he gave him a sandal. Kind of a weird, what is that all about? That's what that is all about. It's a transference of property rights. But we too have a transference. We too have received something from Jesus, but it wasn't with a shoe or a sandal. It was with his perfect spotless blood. <laughs> Come on. It wasn't with a sandal. Nobody's handing you a sandal, but except for that he gave his whole life for you. He gave his whole life for us perfect spotless blood so that the transference could be from the kingdom of darkness now to the kingdom of light the kingdom of his son somebody said that's a pretty good transfer i receive it oh you better receive it you're not going to be like no thanks no you receive it you already did receive it when you said yes to jesus you already did receive it did you look at how beautiful that story is when we just think about, wow, Jesus, you did all of this, God's plan of redemption. But how much more beautiful is it when we look at the cross? How much more? So because of this public vow, because there had to be witnesses, because of this public vow, Boaz now had every legal right to purchase Naomi's deceased husband's land and marry Ruth, the daughter-in-law. So they were married. And Ruth gave birth to Obed, which means servant. Read uh, verse 17 of Ruth 4. 
It says, also the neighbor women gave him a name, saying, there is a son born to Naomi, and they called his name Obed. He is the father of Jesse and the father of David. Hallelujah. Remember, Jesus himself came. What does his name mean? Servant. Jesus himself came not to be served, but to serve, right? He came not to be served, but to serve. And in do you, everything intertwines, you guys. I want you to see how it all intertwines. This is Mark 10, 45. God calls us to serve those with whom we are in relationship. He also calls us to serve one another, but ultimately to serve him in everything that we do. And God honors those with the servant's heart. Amen? So five final takeaways from the book of Ruth, because we've been going through many different takeaways from this book of Ruth, but five final takeaways from this book. Number one, practice hospitality to strangers. Practice hospitality to strangers. Bless them as you would bless somebody that you know. You want to know how to walk as a, as a good Christian, as, as one that literally walks the word of God? Practice hospitality with those that you don't know. You don't need to know them to bless them, right? So bless those. Bless somebody like you would somebody you do know. Boaz blessed Ruth, right? God in turn blessed Boaz. He blessed Ruth. Remember, she, he did not know her at first. He had heard about her, but he did not know her. He only knew what was spoken. Then he observed her. But even when he didn't know her, when she came to glean in his field, he already was making the provision for this woman that he did not know really much about her. But he already made the provision, and he told his men, leave her alone. As a matter of, so he, basically, because remember, I told you, it was, it was a dangerous place for women so he says do not violate her and matter of fact leave some extra on the ground he was already blessing this woman he didn't know but God sees every act and he says because I see what you're doing I want to bless you number one is practice hospitality and and to strangers God's two greatest commandments are to love God and to love others right and when we do this, when we love God and we love others, we, have, we, we walk in what is called Christ-like uh, heart or Christ-like mind, right? So our minds, our mindset should be just like Jesus. So he says practice. So hospitality is known and is, is knowing and entertaining guests, visitors, people you don't know, right? Amen. And, and Jesus tells us in Matthew 25 and in verse 40, whatever we do for the least of these, we do for him. Whatever you do for the least of these, you do for him. I want to give you another verse because I think this is a very important verse in, in, what we're, in this point here about practicing hospitality. And it's Luke 14. Luke 14 in verses 12 through, through 14. And... Then Jesus said to his host, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers, your sisters, your relatives, or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, invite the crippled, invite the lame, the blind. 
and you will be blessed. In other words, he's saying, I want you to extend your hand to those that probably cannot bless you back. I want you to stop doing things in an effort to receive something. That's what he's saying. He's saying, stop being selfish. He's saying, I want, can you be a giver just to the point of giving? Just because God gave his only son. He gave everything. We are to give. We are to bless. And I'm not talking finances, everybody. You see the word give and it's an automatic finances. I'm talking about everything in your life. God says, I don't want just your money. I want it all. I want your love. I want your heart. I want it all. Everything. He wants our all. He will not stop at anything less. And that's exactly, that's exactly one of the takeaways from this, this book, point number two, is that Jesus is your Boaz. Jesus is my Boaz, and Jesus is your Boaz. Let that sink in for some of you. Jesus is your Boaz. He ascended and he sat down at the right hand of God in glory. He redeemed us from calamity, he, us he, from bitterness, from barrenness, you, he, from a life of you, sin, from a life that was tormented and tortured and, and just stuck. He redeemed you from being isolated he and redeemed alone. redeemed you and he called you into his family. That's what he did. Kinsman, redeemer. He is your Boaz. He, Jesus, is your Boaz. How many of you are in your mind, you're going, oh, I never thought about it like that. I see some minds going, oh, wow, okay, yeah. Embrace this because Jesus wants to be everything to you. It is not just Jesus when we go to church. It is not just Jesus when, when I, I'm, I'm in trouble. Oh, God, help. How about Jesus in the morning, Jesus in the noontime, and Jesus in the evening? How about Jesus when you're awake and Jesus when you're asleep? How about Jesus, would you dream through me? Oh, Jesus, I just want the dreams of God. Lord, let me dream the dreams of God every moment of my life. Amen. That's what he wants. Sold out believers that understand that Jesus is your Boaz, your kinsman redeemer. Number three, choose faith over the familiar. Oh, even in the day we live in, choose faith. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Choose faith over what you might think is familiar and easy and comes easy because you've done it for years and years and years, and your mother and your great-grandmother and your great-grandmother, and, you know, and it's just, choose faith. I'm going to have faith. I'm not going to walk in fear, and I'm not going to walk in what is familiar. See, Orpah returned to her people and to her God, and we hear no more of this woman. We do not hear anything else about this woman, but because she chose what? What was familiar. Only when we choose faith can we please God. Hebrews 11.6, without faith it is, it's impossible. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. Choose faith over what's familiar. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. See, he's attaching in in the same scripture right there. There is a reward for those who diligently seek him. If you have to diligently seek God, that means there are times that you need to say, self, get up and seek God. Self, get up and have faith. Stop choosing what's comfortable. Stop choosing what's familiar and choose faith. Faith over fear, faith over familiarity, right? And so we know that Ruth did this. She chose faith. Ruth chose the God of Israel, and she became the great-grandmother to David. 
King David. Obed, Jesse, David, eventually Jesus was born in this lineage. So do not return to what is familiar just because it seems easier. Oh, of course it's going to seem easier, but there's a price tag attached to it. And that price tag is bondage. See, Jesus says there's no going back in the kingdom. It's only going forward. You're going forward. We are going forward in the kingdom. God says, I have a work for you to do. Every one of you, there is a work for you to do. And we're only going to be able to do this work as we choose faith over what's familiar. And we choose to move forward and not succumb to the ways of this world, nor are we going to succumb to what is out there and the lies and or even things that might be even partially true, but it's bringing in fear. Oh, there's going to be another pandemic. Well, you know what? We don't really care. Say whatever you want to say. The same God that sustained you in the last pandemic is the same God that if that was to even happen, is the same God that's going to sustain you now. The same God. We're not walking in fear. We're walking in faith. We're walking in faith, not in what's familiar, but what God says, I want you to keep your eyes on me and you're going to trust me because I want you to move forward. I am your kinsman redeemer. I am your Boaz. I want you to move forward. This is the day and the hour where the world is just going crazy with all kinds of activity and just debased things that's horrible, just debauchery. But I'll tell you right now, but God is saying, that's okay. That's okay. Why? Because if my church would just rise up and decree the word of God, if they would continue to stand firm in the truth, if they would continue to not buckle and not compromise the gospel, but actually speak the truth, uh, right? Without any type of compromise, God says, I am going to do what I already said I was going to do, but now I just get to use you. Because that's the thing. God's going to do what he said he was going to do. But can he use you? He'll use us when we stand firm and loyal to him. Oh, and, and in this day and age, well, we just, you know, Orpah went back to the pagan gods because it was easy and it was familiar, right? And there are churches, there are people in church that are going to go back to what's familiar because the heat gets turned up and they can't handle it. But that's not going to be you. Say, it's not going to be me. No, I'm sold out for Jesus. His strength in me is all I need. His power is all you need. His presence, His word. You saturate yourself in what is true. God is equipping you. He is strengthening you. He will keep you from falling. He will keep you. He says in His word, I am watching over my word to perform it. You just need to stay faithful to the word of God. He will keep you. He's watching over His word to actually make it come to pass. To perform it, to make it come to pass. You stand firm as all my children are going to be taught of the Lord and great is going to be their peace. I'm standing firm on the word of God. I will not die. I'm going to live. You're not going to die one moment before your time. Not one moment before your time. Because you're standing on the truth. And every lie you just kick out. Number four, remain steadfast in your loyalty to the Lord. Uh, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. This is what we have to do. Lay aside that weight, church. Stop taking the weight. And so, you know, carrying that weight, that burden, like a backpack, just, you know, on the weight of the world, the weight of sin. It's like, no, no, no. God says you can be free. I've set you free. Cut those strings. Be loyal to Jesus. Be loyal to him because he says, my burden is easy. My yoke is light. Just be free of these things as you give them to him, right? Lay aside every weight. That's our job. 
lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares. And let us run. So I'm running my race with endurance. Let us run that race with endurance. That race that is set before us. We all have a race set before us. And if we're going to be loyal to Jesus, which is point four, if you're going to be loyal, then you're going to run that race with your eyes fixed upon the author and the perfecter of your faith. He says, he says, run that race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Every time I read that, he endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. We were that joy. He looked beyond the cross and he says, they are my joy. For the joy that was set before him, he says, I will endure the cross. Jesus is loyal to us. And we must take that stand that no matter what, I'm going to be loyal to him. Right? Despising the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Hallelujah. And then point five, obedience always leads to blessings. You guys, we know this, but I want to remind you, as we see in this beautiful story of the book of Ruth, obedience always leads to blessing. Do you believe that God wants to bless? And, and he uses your obedience. You, are you willing to be obedient? Because he says, I want to bless you. You don't want to have to go back around that, that mountain again. You don't want to have to go back around that trial again just because you murmured and complained the whole time through. Come on. He says, I want you to be people that pray. Pray always. Give thanks, right? This is the will of God, right? Just when you pray, when you give thanks, when you're, when you're grateful for what God has done, he says, I want to carry you through going straight ahead, not going around and around and around. So he says, be faithful. When you be faithful, you're obedient to me, and I will bless you. He is a blesser. He wants to bless us. And Isaiah 119 says, if you are willing and obedient, if you're willing and if you're obedient, you're going to eat the good of the land. If you're not, you're going to be devoured by the sword. But if you're willing and if you're obedient, you're going to eat the good of the land. In other words, here in this land, while you're still alive, you may see many people that are they're being affected, effective in a negative way by what's going on, but you're eating from the land, the good of the land, the good of the land. In other words, you, your eyes are set upon him, and you know that he is, he's, he's a good God. He's a giver of good gifts. Yeah, it's true. Even as I look around right now, I just, I, I, I look at, at a congregation, and honestly, I, I believe that there's a spirit of the air still just looming sometimes, and sometimes it's more evident than others. But, but I just see that, that looming spirit of what next? I'm trying to stay in faith, but what is coming next? Because that's what's being spoken. You know, all these terrible, dreadful things and what is going to come next, but we're not going to hear that. We're going to protect our ears. I need you to protect. This is what God wants you to do. Protect your ear gate. Protect your eyes. Protect your heart. Don't participate in things that are not going to lead to the glory of God. He says, I will bless you when you're obedient. I will bless you as you walk in obedience. God is a good God and he has not changed. He does not change. He is the same. Right? God does not change. The word of the Lord says that the, that the, the grass withers and the flowers fade. But the word of the Lord our God stands forever. 
His word is standing, church. I don't care what people try to twist and change and pervert and turn. You know what? It's not going to change the word of God. The word of God never will change. It does not change because God does not change. He's not a man that he should lie, right? He's not a man that he should lie. And so, and his word will not change. So we just have to make sure, number one, we know it, the word. We stand faithful in, in the Lord with him, right? Stay connected to God's people that are on fire. When you stay, I needed to add that, that are on fire part, because you know, it's not just staying connected with God's people and then let them drag you down because they're just, we're laughing because we know it's true. No, you need to stay connected with people of God that are on fire and that refuse to look at the world standards and say, oh, is that where we're at? Okay. No, 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 no. The world does not set the standard. God does. God sets the standard, not the world. Do you guys hear me? God has already set the standard. He's already set the bar, and he says, you're already above and not beneath. He says, I've already set that standard. He says, you're blessed. You're blessed when you go in and blessed when you go out. Don't you give me anything different than what the word of God already says, because it's not going to change. So we're going to line up with the truth, and we're going to walk in the fullness of this truth. (music) 